Thank you, Bert. I remember several years ago, I was a student in Augusta, and I was a member of the church. Whenever Bert would get up every single week to preach, I didn't realize it fully at the time, but I had a, like an urging, man, I really want to do that. I love listening to Bert's preaching, and I kind of de- desire to do that. And then I remember it got to a point where I no longer desire to do that. I must do that. But there's some big problems. I've done a lot of schooling for some other things, and I don't know what to do. So I remember asking Bert, if, sent him an email and asked him if we could go out to lunch and basically open up the lunch conversation and said, Bert, I think God's leading me to be a pastor. I don't know what this means. I don't know uh, what the next steps are, and I'm kind of freaking out. My wife's freaking out. We, we don't know what's going on, but we think that God's leading us to be a pastor. Um, uh, God works in mysterious ways. I think later that week I was preaching here at Crawford Avenue. This was before the two churches merged. And I remember whenever I was preparing my first sermon, uh, I took a walk that Friday. I was um, in class. I was in class all day for something else, and I was trying to write a sermon all day. And by the end of trying to write a sermon, I came to my wife and I said, Sydney, I do not think that God's called me to be a pastor. There's something going on here. I remember taking a walk and saying, God, it feels like you were playing a joke on me. But I've been so thankful, Bert. I thank you for the really mentoring that you've given me, for the way that you've loved me, for the ways that the church has encouraged me. We're really excited to be sent out from Crawford Avenue and to go plant a church in Moultrie. And honestly, I can't think of a better last three to five years of training and to um, really take the DNA of what God's done here and try to go to my hometown and try to help people in Moultrie meet Jesus. So I'm excited for that. So this morning, we are going to be in Ephesians 4. We're going to do a two-week series in Ephesians 4. This morning, we're going to be looking at Ephesians 4, verse 17. So if you have your Bible... Go ahead and open it up to Ephesians 4, verse 17 through verse 24. If you didn't bring a Bible, we have one under the chair in front of you. It's on page 978, page 978, Ephesians 4. I'll read. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desire, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, that's God's word. The big idea this morning, the big main point this morning that I have to communicate, and I think this is what God has to communicate to us, is that as new people, Christians are to walk in newness of life. So that's the big idea this morning. Christians are new people, and as new people, Christians are to walk in newness of life. As we see this big idea, we're going to look at these verses in three parts. First, we're going to see our diagnosis as humans. We're going to see our diagnosis. Then secondly, we're going to see God's cure. And then third, we're going to see the call to walk in newness of life. So first, we're going to see our diagnosis. Secondly, we're going to see the cure. And third, we're going to see the prescription to walk in newness of life. First, our diagnosis, our diagnosis as humans. Look at verse 17. I'm going to read verses 17 through 19 again. Paul says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, 
that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves over to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. In these verses, Paul and through Paul, God gives us a diagnosis of the human condition. It's as if, it's as if we're going to the doctor and we've run the tests and we've, uh, we're asking the doctor, okay, doctor, tell us who we are. Tell us our condition. Give us the diagnosis. What are, what are we like naturally? Do we have a problem? And if so, what is the problem? Give us the diagnosis. And this is important. We need to know as people, we need to know as humans who we are. Do we have a problem? What is our nature? And if so, what is the fix to that? And in these verses, I, we, this is a serious conversation between us and God. This is not good news. God says, yes, we do have a problem. As humans, the diagnosis is not good. And as, as humans, we are corrupt to the core. As human beings, we have a problem. Our diagnosis is that we have heart corruption. Look at verse 17. Paul says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So Paul right here is writing to primarily Gentile Christians. He's writing to people who were Gentiles and who have trusted in Jesus and become Christians. It's important to know who the Gentiles are. So at this time, and especially in the Old Testament, there were the Jewish people who were the people of God and who had the laws of God, and they were supposed to follow the commandments of God. And then there are the Gentiles. They're the people who are, who are apart from God. They're not God's people. They didn't have God's law. And, and in this, as we see Paul saying, hey, Gentiles, you Gentiles who have become Christians, you're not to live like you used to. Paul gives us a picture of how the natural person naturally lives, about how the Gentile naturally lives, the person apart from God, how they naturally live. And we see God's diagnosis right here of the natural person. Look at it. He says, verse 17, he says, he says that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. So how do the Gentiles walk? What is the natural person? How do we naturally live? Who are we naturally? He says, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That is not a good diagnosis script right there. He says, one thing he says is that we are impure, that the Gentiles, and this would include the natural person, the natural person apart from God, that we are impure and we do impure things, that we do bad things. Look at, look at verse 19. It says, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. It says that they have given themselves up to sensuality. Those are unrestrained desires that people naturally have bad desires and that we naturally are prone to give ourselves up to unrestrained passions and lusts and bad desires. And then it says that we're, we not only do bad things, but it says that we're greedy to practice every kind of impurity, that the natural Gentiles are greedy to practice every kind of impurity. This is not good news. That First of all, we see that we do bad things and that we are impure. 
But this just is, this isn't it. These are just symptoms. If you dig deeper in these verses, these are symptoms of a deeper disease. These are symptoms. These are fruits that we do. These are things that we do, but it stems from a, a corrupt root. Look back at verse 18 and see if you can see the deepest level of the problem. So I'm going to read verse 18 again and see if you can see as he peels back the layers of the natural man, see if you can see the root issue or the root cause of the problem. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. So there's lots of bad things on this report. We just saw that we do impure things, that we give ourselves up to passions, that the natural man is greedy to practice impurity. Right here it says that we're darkened in our understanding, that we don't think rightly, that our reasoning processes are corrupt, that we're darkened. That we're alienated from the life of God, that's a bad thing on the diagnosis script. That we're separated from the life of God, from the life of knowing God and walking with Him and living in right relationship with Him and others because of the ignorance that is in them. And then look at the deepest level, due to their hardness of heart. What, what Paul is saying right here is that we have, we have problems and we have a lot of symptoms but at the root issue, at the core, the core problem is at the core of who we are. That the problem just isn't that the Gentiles, hey, don't do those things because they do bad. They do some bad things. They're pretty good people. Um, they're, they're naturally pretty good or they're naturally neutral. And sometimes they do a few bad things. No, he says, he says that, they, that they're greedy for impurity, that they uh, are darkened in their understanding, that they're alienated from the life of God. And if you drill deep, deep, deep down, it's due to the hardness of heart, that we have a heart disease as people. That at the core, we have a bad diagnosis. And it's not just what we do. It's not a superficial problem. It's not that we have a, a cut on our arm that needs a Band-Aid. At the core, we have, some, we have a problem that goes very, to the very central of us, to our hearts. That we have hard hearts. So, Bad news. I'm, I'm about to get some of the good news, but the bad news, and we have to get this. It's important that we know this because if, if you don't understand the problem, you, you don't understand the cure and you don't understand the solution. Bad news is we have a problem, and that problem is really, really deep. It cuts really deep to the core of who we are as human beings. We are sinners, and we have corrupt hearts. That leads us to our second point, uh, the cure, God's cure. This is seen in verses 20 through 24. So look at verses 20 through 24. We just got the diagnosis that we are, uh, have hard hearts. And now uh, Paul gives the remedy. He gives the treatment. He gives the solution. God says that the solution is to learn Christ, to come to Jesus, and through Christ to become a new person. So if the problem is that we have, that at the core of who we are as people, we're corrupt to the core, the solution is, that we become new people. It's not that we're corrupt to the, poor, to the core, so we put a little Band-Aid on. That just covers up something on the outside. It, uh, what Paul says is that we need a heart exchange. We need heart surgery. We need a new heart. Look at verse 20. Paul says, but that is not the way you learn Christ. So Paul has just said, hey, don't live like the Gentiles do. And this is how the Gentiles do. They're corrupt. They, they walk in impurity. They're greedy to practice impurity. And then verse 20, he says, but that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him. So first part is that they've heard about him. They learn Christ. 
They came to know Christ and hearing the gospel. When it says that they've heard about him, this is pointing to their conversion. When they heard the gospel, they heard the good news that Jesus Christ isn't impure, that Jesus is perfect, and that he died for our sins. He lived the perfect life and died for our sins and rose from the dead. And then if we believe in him and turn from our sins, that we can have forgiveness of our sins. So the treatment starts, to, the, the, the cure starts with learning Christ. And the first part of that is coming to know him in salvation, uh, to hear about him and to trust in him. Paul says that's not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him in conversion, that you've heard the gospel and trust in the gospel. And then he says, and then he says um, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. He's talking about ongoing instruction as the truth is in Jesus. So he says two things. He says, coming to, he says the cure is to learn Christ and that involves hearing him, that involves hearing the gospel and returning from our sins and believing. And it also involves ongoing instruction, it also involves teaching and ongoing instruction, assuming that you have heard him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Before I go on and talk about this ongoing instruction, I want you to see something. Notice what Paul right here doesn't say, and this is really important. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey, Gentile Christians, no longer live like you used to. You used to live in this way. You used to live with impurity. You were greedy to practice impurity. And then he doesn't say, therefore, fix yourselves and become a better person. Verse 20, he doesn't say, he doesn't say, verse 19, greedy to practice impurity. Verse 20, so fix yourselves, become a better person, change yourselves, buckle yourselves up by the bootstrap, change yourselves, become good. No, verse 20, he says, but that is not the way you learn Christ. And that is very important. The, 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 at the core of the cure is Christ. As I mentioned, it's hearing the gospel, it's hearing the good news that Jesus came to offer salvation and that we can come become a new person in Christ. And that's what Paul says in verse 21. That's the ongoing instruction. Look at, look at what he says in verse 21, 21. He says, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So what were they taught? What was the ongoing instruction? They believe in Jesus and then they were taught something. And they were taught that they are to be changed at the core of who they are through Christ. They're taught that, that, that they have a corrupt nature but through Christ, we're to be changed to the core of who we are. Look at verse 22. They were taught in him to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. In learning Christ, part of learning Christ, part of the cure is receiving Christ as salvation and it's becoming a new person. It's putting off our old self. It's that I used to be this Brian. I used to walk this way. In the call of the gospel, receive Christ and to put off the old self. Paul says that you were taught in him to put off the old self and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then we become a new person. In Christ, we're offered a new self. Look at verse 24. He says that you were taught in him to put off the old self, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The diagnosis is that we have a problem that stems to the core of who we are. But there's good news. Paul says that the cure, God's cure, the cure of the gospel, is that at the core of who we are, we're changed. 
that God has created a new self. It says that, we've been, that we have a new self that God has created for us. It's a gift from God, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is different than our old self. Remember, our, diff- our old self, it says that our old self is, is uh, it belongs to our former manner of life, verse 22, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. But look at the difference. The new self is created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. In becoming a Christian, in becoming a Christian, we recognize our problem, and then we're changed at the core of who we are. I have a question. Have you experienced this life change yet? Have you experienced um, putting off your old self, being somebody, growing up as somebody, and it could be when you were four years old or it could be when you were 40 years old. Have you experienced a time where you were completely transformed, where you trusted in Christ and you put off your old self and you received a new self and that you're no longer the person that you used to be? And this is a lot different than just going to church every Sunday. This is a lot different than trying to be a better person. This is a lot different than saying, oh, I need to raise my kids right or we need to get back in the church or we should have some family devotions. This is a change at the core of who you are. Have you experienced this yet? And if you haven't, you can today. You can experience this life transformation today, and it is good. It is good news. This is, this is walking. It's who God designed us to be. Earlier it said that we were excluded from the life of God. Now we can be included in the life of God. Now we can be included in a life where we know God where we walk with him, where we live the way that he's designed us to live, and we'll have eternal life with him forever. Have you experienced this yet? And if you haven't, you can come to Jesus. If you trust in Christ, God will give you a new self. Cast off your old self and become new. And that brings us to our last point. So walk in newness of life. Now walk in newness of life. Look back at verse 17, and this is the whole point of this section, verses 17 through 24. This is the, whole, this is the major point of what Paul is saying in these verses. Look how Paul starts, verse 17. He says that as new people were to live a new lifestyle. Verse 17, now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. So writing to these Jew, writing to these Gentile Christians, these people who used to live a former manner of life, who used to be separated from God, Paul says, you must no longer walk like the Gentiles do. If you've become a Christian, if you've been changed by the gospel, if you've become a new person, you need to walk consistently with that new person. You need to walk in newness of life. And guys, this is really important. This isn't like a side issue. This is really, really important that we get this. As new people, as people who have been created new, we, are, we, have, been, we have been changed. We have been given a new nature. We're to walk in newness of life. Paul highlights the importance of what he's saying right here, to walk in newness of life at the beginning of verse 17, that this isn't a, a, a side comment. This isn't optional. This isn't like, hey, guys, if you... I'm kind of feeling, if you're kind of feeling it, probably should walk in newness of life. No, Paul says this is really important. Look at how he begins this in verse 17. He says, now this I say and testify in the Lord. First of all, Paul repeats himself. Did you see that? He says, now this I say, he could have just said, hey, 
you should walk in newness of life. He says, now this I say, and I testify in the Lord. If you're a parent or if you're a husband or if you're a family member, you know when you get the double command, it's important. Like, hey, don't throw your food on the ground, son. Hey, I'm telling you, don't do this. It's important. He gives some urgency to it. And then he also highlights the divine authority behind this. As an apostle, we know that whatever Paul writes in the Bible right here is the words of God through Paul. But Paul, just so Paul, just so the readers know, just so these Gentile Christians know the thrust of this, he highlights the divine authority behind this. And he says, now this I say and testify in the Lord. In the Lord. With the Lord's authority, I say this. That you are to no longer walk like that. You have been changed. You are no longer to walk like this. Paul right here, he pulls, he pulls the Jesus card on him. He's, it's, like the, it's like I've been around some doctor friends, and I wish I could say this. I'm a, I'm a physical therapist, and I feel like as a physical therapist, it just doesn't pack the same punch. But I've heard some, some, some friends of mine who are physicians said, hey, as a doctor, I say this. As a physical therapist, I feel like I can tell people to exercise, but it doesn't have to punch. But Paul right here, he pulls the Jesus card. He says, hey, now this I say and testify in the Lord. With the authority of Jesus, I am telling you this. You must no longer walk like the Gentiles walk. You have been changed. If you are a Christian, you have been changed. You are fundamentally a different person than you used to be. And so you're fundamentally to live a different life than you used to live. And next week, we're going to talk a whole lot more about this new life in Christ in verses 25 through 32. But the, the big idea today is that Christians are new people. Christians are people who have been transformed from the inside out. And that as new people, we're called to walk in newness of life. As Bert mentioned earlier, in a moment, we're going to celebrate baptism. We're going to have uh, I think five baptisms, which is going to be great to celebrate. And this is one thing that baptism represents. A baptism, there's several things that baptism can simplify, uh, but one thing that baptism pictures is, is a casting off of the old self, a dying to the old self, and being raised in newness of life, to be raised to walk in newness of life. And actually, historically, that's one of the reasons that Christians have immersed people down into water. One of the pictures that immersing people down into water when they baptize is a drowning of the old man, that you are drowning your old self in the water. Your old self is being drowned and cast off. Now, it's not actually when they're baptized that that happens. It pictures the casting off of yourself at conversion. But even as we see these baptisms, and you think back to your own baptism, remember that as a Christian, you have died. Baptism shows that your, your old nature has been drowned and that you have been raised to walk in newness of life. So implication, we shouldn't live like Gentiles anymore. There is, it is inconsistent. It is inconsistent for a person who's been made spiritually alive to live like they haven't. It's inconsistent for somebody who's, for, for a heart, for a root that's been transformed into an apple tree. Let's say I used to be a banana tree. And now, all of a sudden, my heart's been changed and I'm an apple tree. It's inconsistent for me, all of a sudden, to bear bananas. God has made us a new tree. We have a new heart. And so we're to walk in newness of life and bear new fruit as a result of that. 
So big idea this morning. Christians are new people, and as new people, we're called to live new lives. I want to close this morning uh, with a story I've heard about uh, Augustine. Augustine is a, a, a hero of Christianity. He lived many, many, many years ago. Uh, I think he lived in the fourth century. He, he, want, he became one of the greatest Christian leaders of all time. There's, there's still people today who read his books. Um, and the story goes and that Augustine lived a life of immorality, that he lived a life that was really pictured by the Gentile lifestyle that we read earlier, um, that he went after lusts and passions and unrestrained desires, and then he became a Christian. Then God changed his life, and he became a Christian. And the story goes that after he became a Christian, he, he was walking one day, and he ran into one of his former mistresses, uh, one of his former mistresses that he uh, had a relationship with before he became a Christian, and when he saw her, he turned around. He immediately turned around and went the other direction. And the mistress cried after him, Augustine, Augustine, what are you doing? It's I, it's I. Why are you turning around? It's me. It's me. And the story goes, you know what Augustine said? After he turned around and she was calling after him, it's I, it's I, Augustine, it's I. The story goes that he turned around and he said, yes, but it is not I. Yes, but it is not I. As Christians, that is the truth of us. As a church, as the body of Jesus Christ, yes, but it is not I. It, I'm Brian Burl, but I am not, fundamentally, I am not the same Brian Burl. I am a new Brian Burl. Listen to the way Paul puts it in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Uh, another spot, Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is a new Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Christians, if you are a Christian in here, you are a new person. So walk in newness of life. And if, you're, if you haven't experienced this, maybe you've been coming to church for a long time, but you've never experienced this fundamental life change. Know that Christianity isn't just getting better. It's becoming brand new. Let's be a church like Augustine and like Paul commands the Ephesians who no longer walk in our old, uh, our old nature, who's, who turn to that and say, yes, but it is not I. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the good news of the gospel. God, I thank you that you offer us salvation. You offer us a, a, a new life created after the likeness of God. God, I thank you that it's nothing that we can do. It's nothing that we've done. But God, you save us by your grace and that you offer that as a free gift. And so, Father, I pray for my friends here who may have not experienced that before. God, I pray that they would trust in you. Father, I pray that they would entrust in you and experience the new life that they offer. And Father, I pray for those of us who have trusted in you, who have cast off our old self and put on our new selves. Father, I pray that we would live it out. God, yes, it's something that we do when we become a Christian. We, it's a fundamental break from our old nature, but God, it's, it's something that we're called to live out. And so I pray that as Crawford Avenue Baptist Church, we would be marked by newness of life. Father, I pray that you would fundamentally do something in our church where we are known as people 
uh, who are new, and when we even meet old friends, that they see that we are changed. And I pray that that's a testimony to the gospel. We love you and praise you, and thank you for Jesus. In Christ's name, amen.